Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. For the foreseeable future, we're going to be ranking action movies. After that, who knows? But we're hoping our listeners will get involved and help us decide. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, <laughs> join the discussion at Twitter at, at the Rank Podcast, on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com, or email us at therankwithjohnandzack at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. So yeah, I'm like, kind of like, I got like a cold or something. Mm-hmm. So you can probably hear it in my voice, you know. But, but I'm here. I do the podcast, no matter how sick I feel. I, You know, <laughs> the word hero gets spread yeah. around a lot, but uh, oh, I feel yeah. like it's deserved for me today. In your case, absolutely. <laughs> Ironically, the name of the movie that we're uh, ranking today. So based, based on your life story. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, John Long gave me a lot of advice on it. <laughs> but you and his, his protégés, you and Frank Dukes. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if uh, you were wondering how this whole thing goes, which I can imagine it was really weighing heavily on your mind, let me address that now. Uh, we are going to start with a quick summary of the movie, which is a summary. Then we are going to go into potent notables, which are some of the more interesting things we found about the movie. Um, sometimes more interesting than others. Uh, sometimes potent, sometimes less potent. Then we are going to go into a longer recap of the movie. And then finally the rank, where we're going to rank all 10 categories, is what we have. Uh, one to five rankings, one being the worst, five being the best. And then at the end, we're going to find out What's the best action movie of all time? Well said, Zach. Today we're ranking Hero, the 2002 movie written by, and I just, I want to stop before I say all these names. I apologize if I'm saying them wrong. I do not know how to speak Mandarin. So if I am saying them wrong, please forgive me. I don't mean any offense. But it was written by Li Fang, Zhang Yimou, and Wong Bin. From a premise by John Long, actually. <laughs> Which every, every damn time you get me with that. You know that? I'm like, oh, wait, this is, what premise is this? I'm like, oh, it's John Long, right. Well, yeah, I mean, and obviously it's it's the, it, it like takes place in the history of uh, the Qin dynasty, dynasty and it follows kind of, it, it takes the life stories of, uh, of Frank Dukes. So that's always, yeah. Oh, I didn't get you with that one. <laughs> nope. I, it's because like, you kind of primed of... me with the John Long one. I was like, oh, uh, Frank Dukes is next. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, the entire all of Chinese history is really just the life story of Frank Dukes condensed. That's right. That's right. All six thousand years, whatever of Chinese history is, we we had to we had to cut out a lot of stuff that Frank Frank Dukes did in order to fit yeah. it into Chinese history. Well, what's crazy is he like left China at some point and mm-hmm. then went to Egypt and built the yeah. pyramids. Yeah. China, then went to China. Japan and like created ninjutsu. So yeah, I don't know the, exactly how he managed that, but I mean that's the guy. mystery of of Frank Dukes, as chronicled by as John Long. John Long, yeah, <laughs> he's just been inscribed forever. <laughs> so anywho, yeah, it was directed by Zhang Yimou and it starred Jet Li. Um, now we've ranked 
Aliens, Cliffhanger, Central Intelligence, Bloodsport, The Mummy, and Predator so far. Uh, and Aliens was the first one and is still the top one, although Predator came very close in the last episode to ousting our leader. Um, I, have, uh, I have a suspicion about this movie. I don't know. We'll have to see. After Predator, we've got Central Intelligence, and then, no, we've got The Mummy, and then Central Intelligence, and then mm-hmm. Cliffhanger, and then Bloodsport. So, I don't know. Maybe we have found the uh, the best action movie ever in Aliens in our very first episode. I could have just stopped right there. Apparently. But, you know, we're doing another foray into a martial arts movie. This is our first entirely foreign language movie as well. So, mm-hmm. Will it hold up to Bloodsport, our other martial arts movie? <laughs> <laughs> which is partly in foreign language, which is weird not knowing how to speak English very well acting on the part of the young Frank Dukes actor. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, my guess is that when we do the ranking that it won't hold up to Bloodsport. But we'll not see. close, but... We'll see. So Hero follows Nameless as uh, this, this is the main character. His name is Nameless because he didn't get a name. As he recounts his victory over the three most notorious assassins that have been trying to assassinate the emperor of the Qin dynasty. As the tale is weaved, we discover that not all is as it seems. And we see three different versions of this story. In the end, what we really discover is what Nameless will really fight for. It was great. It was kind of inspired. Enough. Was it good? I, that, was, that was very good. I feel like the, the summaries are like really hard to, to do. I can, I can imagine. I'm glad you do them, and I, I don't <laughs> love to. Because I'd be uh, like, it's a movie about he kicks a he kicks high, and then that's the end of the he movie. He flies. He flies. He does a lot of a lot of death-defying stunts in this one. <laughs> Fewer kicks than 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 Jean Claude Van Damme. But. Well, that's true of even the, in the Predator. That's <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> can't believe they assassinated the character like that. No, he was going to be a kickboxing predator. Kickboxing alien, and they just ruined it. Unbelievable. So now we move on to our potent notables. So what's potent about this movie? Well, you, you, you know, know, there's actually uh, there's a fair amount that I found. Um, but we'll start with the box office because it's, it's sort of interesting because this is uh, the first movie after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that really was a foreign hit in the U.S., you know, where culture was actually exported to the U.S. instead of the U.S. exporting culture in, in terms of cinema. But on a budget of $31 million, which at the time was the largest budgeted movie ever made in China, Hero made $53.7 million domestic and $123.7 million internationally for a worldwide total of $177.4 million. Now, may I just interrupt quick? Is does domestic mean in the United States? Yes, we're talking yeah. about the United States release here. Correct. Whenever okay. I say domestic, I should say that. And whenever I say domestic, I am talking about the United States and Canada. Gotcha. This movie was definitely a hit and uh, continued to show the marketability of foreign ca- of a foreign cast dominated martial arts movie in the U.S. Uh, this road was paved by Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It was this movie was actually the first foreign language film to open at number one at the box office. I don't know if you remember what came out, but it was like presented by Quentin Tarantino. Yep, that is going that is in the potent notables. 
I will shut up then. But I was going to say, I remember that, like, without that, I mean, not without that, but that actually did end, like, lend a good bit of, like, people were, I remember people being like, oh, that's interesting. What is this? And, of course, you know, they sort of thought it was his movie, but it doesn't matter. Well, there's, there's, it's a really interesting story as to why that all happened. Mm -hmm. Because what happened is Miramax uh, originally acquired the U.S. distribution rights in 2002 after the film's huge success in Asia. However, the film did not receive its U.S. theatrical release until 2004. Before the release of the official U.S. version, the film gained a cult following in the States by official, you know, quote-unquote official copies of the yeah. DVD from other countries, right? So there, were, there was a cult following for it already before they actually put it out. But um, what's interesting is that, you know, it's sitting on the shelf waiting to be put out for two years, and Quentin Tarantino had seen the movie and loved it. So Miramax paid $20 million for the distribution rights. Mm-hmm. But they, they, like I said, they kept pushing back the release date because what they wanted is they wanted it dubbed in English yeah. instead of in Mandarin with subtitles. I know. Can you yeah. imagine? It would have been terrible. I know that several of those actors speak quite good English as well, but, I mean, that's just it. I don't feel like that usually works. No, it never works. It looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, well, it, it works if you want a campy movie, right? Yeah. If you're looking for a B movie, then yeah, great. But this is not a B movie. Or if it's animation, that often works. Like, for instance, I watch several you know, Studio Ghibli movies. I kind of prefer the dubbed versions on some of them because it's the first ones I saw. But that's animation, which is already dubbed. So right. you're, not, you're not sitting there like trying to match up the words to Jet Li's actual mouth, you know? Exactly. Uh, that, yeah. So I don't have an issue with that, but the, uh, yeah, me but, but I would not have wanted to see this movie dubbed. No. And neither did Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. But Quentin had a lot of clout with Miramax because mm-hmm. of, you know, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown and Kill Bill, right? Um, <laughs> so he was able to convince them to release the movie mm-hmm. without dubbing it. The condition that they gave was that Quentin would have to let them put in front of it Quentin Tarantino Presents. Okay. So Quentin agreed, and that is how we have a non-bootleg version of Hero to Watch in the States. Well, thank you, Quentin. Yeah, no kidding. Pretty cool, actually. I've seen a couple instances where he sort of champions you know, other people's movies. It's good to use your clout for you know, Yeah, if that's how you're going to use it, that's a, that's a good way to use it. Yeah. It's interesting, because I think Zhang Yimou is... Uh, pretty like well-known director in China. Mm-hmm. And even at the time he was pretty well-known in China, but not anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not, not, not in America. Yeah. And this was his first martial arts movie. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, just, I don't No, You go ahead. You know what? I'm going to go just to get, get my stupid thought the fuck out of the way. Yeah. He also directed a movie in 1991 called Raise the Red Lantern, which is just one of the greatest and most like visually magnificent movies you'll ever watch. And it's very much not this sort of movie. So it's like it, 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 I, I remember like the critical discourse around this movie when it came out and all these critics who were like, wow, we really love a lot of his work from before this. But like, what the fuck? Martial arts? That is really out of nowhere. So it's just I don't know. It's just interesting the way. But point being is that it was very strange that suddenly he was directing martial arts movies. The same thing just happened with Wong Kar Wai, another uh, Chinese filmmaker who directed a bunch of great dramas like 
in the mood for love. And then he uh, started directing a couple of martial arts movies that were similarly beautiful and not what you would necessarily imagine for action movies. Um, I kind of felt weird when watching this because I was like, this is not quite on the same, I don't mean on the same level. It's just, it's not, it's not made with a lot of the same intentions as some of the other action movies we've made. So we'll have to see how that turns out. <laughs> yes, I agree. It was, well, when we get to the rank, we'll talk yeah, about we'll, it. But, we'll talk uh, about that, yeah. But it was sort of difficult to do the rank with this one. Yeah, it's because, it, like, you know, they're not, they didn't go into this with the same, right. the same sort of sensibility. So Exactly. But it's, so Zhang explained why he wanted to make Hero, the way, mm-hmm. you know, like a martial arts movie. Um, he basically was like, there's a lot of competition for the Chinese art film, mm-hmm. right, uh, that Hollywood was creating when they started releasing films in China. So basically they, China, before they started releasing Hollywood films, Chinese cinema had their own like artistic feel. Mm-hmm. But then when Hollywood started releasing there, it was like, oh, well, now we've got all this competition and it's harder to get the budget for an art movie, an artistic movie, mm-hmm. because of the market. It doesn't have as much marketability and the audience is not wearing to see American, you know, movies where you don't have to think much, basically. But we do best. Yeah. Um, so, quote. I thought I should make a film with box office promise that refers to Chinese culture, but also contains an art element. That's why everything is in one film. I have to thank Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because Ang Lee did something new for martial arts. To shoot Hero, we needed a lot of money. Ang Lee created some space to experiment. Both Ang Lee and I used an art film style in a, in a martial arts movie. Basically, you know, he knew that he, the studios in China knew that martial arts movies are marketable in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it was proven by Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was a huge hit in the U.S. So basically, he's like, I'm going to make that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, here's a bunch of money. <laughs> Here you go. Um, so let's just kind of get into, uh, let's talk Jet Li a little bit. So mm-hmm. Jet Li started doing Wushu when he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And he actually took a pay cut to be in this movie. Really? But years later, yeah, Jet... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he was a big star at this time. Right, he I mean, was. The other, guy, the other people in the movie were also big stars, I think, in China, but a lot less here. And then Jet Li was actually, like, you know, anchoring action movies made right. in the U.S. He was, an, he was a, an American... He was an international superstar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But years later, Jet Li had a great line in an interview. Quote, I really want to share something in the mind. Why we need to fight. Because we want to stop. <laughs> this echo- echoes what Zhang said about the movie. Hero, quote, Hero follows the ancient tradition. The number one fighter in the country would care for the people first. Jet Li understands that if he doesn't kill the emperor, it's better for the people, people because the war will end. Mm-hmm. The number one martial arts fighter decided not to kill the king for the sake of peace. In this movie, my idea was to convey the message of peace. Jet Li called this quote, one of the most important action films of my life. Mm. Another little interesting, potent, notable, Jackie Chan turned down the role of the king. I oh, yeah. Any more info, but I just thought it was interesting that he was he was supposed to play the king. Or they wanted I, uh, him to. As it happens, I like the actor who played the king a lot in this, that, you know, the emperor, I thought he was just, I thought he was engaging. Yeah. But 
I'm kind of, I would love to see a version where Jackie Chan was, was that character because I don't know if he could pull it off or if that's what I think. Like, I'm not saying that he doesn't even have the acting chops. It's just, I so equate him with a different sensibility. Well, he's usually just kind of funny and silly. So yeah. this would not have been a role that would have yeah. highlighted that type of I also would have been, I also just would have been furious to not see him in Jet Li fight. Oh, yeah, right? I would have been like, come on, guys. That would have been a cool fight. Well, probably so, a bit too old now, but still, I just want to instigate them. If I'm ever in the same room as them, I'm going to be like, yo, did you hear what he said about you? <laughs> Jet over there, or Lee, I am still too ignorant to really know 100%. He said that you were wimpy. <laughs> Jackie Chan's going to be like, what? Yeah, that seems like Jackie Chan. <laughs> he said, whoa, and he just like slams the table down. Just testosterone-filled. Man. Oh, absolutely. All of the soldiers in the Chin Army sequence, sequence mm-hmm. as well as the palace sequences, were performed by actual Chinese People's Liberation Army soldiers, except the wow. stunt performers. Yeah. It's estimated that 18,000 were used as extras in the film. Wow. That That's is a lot, a lot of, people. of extras. I mean, there are enormous crowds, it looks yeah. like, of people, but I kind of assume that it was trickery. Now, the lake scenes, if you remember mm-hmm. the lake fight that oh, yeah. they have during the Emperor's story of it, Mm-hmm. The lake scenes took almost three weeks to film because yeah. the director insisted that the lake surface had to be perfectly still and mirror-like during filming. <laughs> you know, so it had natural currents, right? This mm-hmm. occurred every day for only two hours starting at 10 a.m. To adjust to this phenomenon, the filmmakers had to get up at 5 a.m. each day to begin the five hours of preparation and setup. Wow. Yeah. Now, you'd, you'd think that in some movie productions, they would just do special effects for that. But um, I guess either this was not available or he's that dedicated. So the last potent notable I'll say, and this is just uh, an interesting like historical tidbit. Um, in ancient China, when someone claimed that he had killed his enemies, mm-hmm. he needed to present their heads as proof, mm-hmm. not their weapons. Yeah. But uh, the director modified this for obvious reasons. That might be that might be good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'd be it's, a very it, different movie. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it could work in a movie. That would be very menacing, but it would be a different movie. This one is very weirdly bloodless, right? Yeah, and nameless and bloodless because I mean, there's only even drops of blood a couple of times, and when someone's slain, usually they just fall, and they're like, "Oh, I've, I'm." Sl-. It's like Shakespeare. I am slain, and then they're done. <laughs> Now, did you have any potent notables? Oh, you know, not really. About? Just just a quick, you know, the shout out to the um, podcast that I like, China History Podcast, Laszlo Montgomery, fantastic stuff. Um, and uh, he he reminded me how much I liked this movie in an episode where he was talking about, you know, the Qin Dynasty. And um, not that this is an accurate movie, because it probably isn't in several ways. But... Um, just the depiction of the of the era in China being surprisingly, surprisingly good and engaging, and then maybe just a little I'll, I'll sprinkle a little maybe things I remember throughout because I didn't I don't write things down I don't know how to write I'm a borderline illiterate so I just have to remember things. Yeah, that's, that's, they come so, up. So I'm going to leave this in here that uh-huh. you said that, and <laughs> I'm going to respond by saying I just want all of our listeners listeners to know that. Zach has a degree in English. So I do not. That's bullshit. <laughs> they tell me I have a degree in English. I don't know because I can't read. You can't read either. Can't write or I, read. I okay. believe them because why would they lie? But that, yeah. 
I would think that an English degree would be sort of writing intensive, but I guess not. Maybe nope. not at Albany. You know? Nope, nope. nope. It's, it's, it's a Albany. real shit school. It is. All I Just kidding, part. Albany. I want you to take my, uh, my oldest. <laughs> <laughs> Your poor kid. <laughs> just, they they get accepted and then yeah. Wait, what do you mean I can't come here anymore? Well, listen to your dad's podcast. Yeah, as we do every day until we got to this episode and spat our cereal out and went what? <laughs> just like Jackie Jam. Yeah. What did he say about you, Albany? How could he talk about the great games like that? Uh huh. I always um, re- like revert to a wrestler, don't I? You really do. It's just immediate. <laughs> Jackie Chan, the, whoever the president of admissions at you all, but he is. They're all <laughs> they're all pro wrestlers in your weird head. Let's let's get into uh, the overview of the oh. movie. So, I mean, right from the beginning, it's just a uh, you know they're. They're doing some like uh, reading exposition, right? They're not. That's not necessarily a narrator, although there is a narration just in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's like such a cool contradiction that they mm-hmm. say. You know, the idea of the end of war was soaked in the blood of his enemies. Mm-hmm. This is just a really cool uh, thing to do. Although I did find it interesting because they have that exposition, and then to skip way later in the movie they go in into more depth with that mm-hmm. but it's interesting that they didn't let the the audience member get there yeah like they yeah, told the audience uh, you know I, so i don't know if that's the right choice or not i mean it's not like i'm not bashing the movie or anything when i say that i just wonder if like it might have been better to just let the audience come to that conclusion on their own yeah, that that might have been, that might have been good. I like the way it kind of primes us for the over for the for the ending, for the ending bit. But we'll get to that when we get to the end because it's it's an interesting contradiction in general. The way this movie the note this movie ends on, in my opinion. Yeah, although although now that I'm thinking about it, if maybe they're priming you to accept that first story, mm-hmm. gently. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That could be why they do it. It's not clear that he's, I mean, I find it, I don't want to say it's a twist exactly, but it's really interesting once once the Emperor realizes, comes to the conclusion that he's being lied to. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great little moment for the audience, because, I mean, it seems reasonable to us, right? Right. We don't know any different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and we think that this is potentially an emperor who, you know, based on the, on the beginning sequence there, the, mm-hmm. an emperor that you would want to help, mm-hmm. which is why I think they did that. I also was like pretty early on when you discover his name is nameless. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, you know, is that silly or cool? And by the end, I definitely thought it was cool. Yeah. Funny. I, I, I did the potent notables a while, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I wrote, this is a wild opening scene. I'm curious how many extras there were, which is funny because if I turns out, looked turns up in my document. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. Yeah, 18,000. About as many as makes any sense to have in any one place at any one time for me. 18,000 people is more people than I can think of right now, but okay. Yeah, that's basically the entire enrollment of UAlbany. Shout out to UAlbany, great names. <laughs> Fantastic school, please accept yeah. Please accept any and all offspring. <laughs> um, 
I also was like, wow, this inspection is pretty uh, intense, you know, mm-hmm. like that they're giving Jet Li there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I know. This is the second movie we've done with uh, oh, just this really gratuitous butt shot of the male action star. Yeah. <laughs> just like fantastic butt out of nowhere. Okay. It's also uh, sort of uh, gender bending, right? Because of the long mm-hmm. hair. You're like, what am I? Oh, oh, it's Jet Li. Okay. <laughs> Hold on a second. But am I am I interested? No, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or, um, or yes, yes, I am interested. It just depends. Or that's an ass. Great. Either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I remember we were at my spouse and I, Hudson. We were at a uh, Yankees Mariners game. I'm I'm getting there, and. Like, it must have been, like, the better part of an inning. We were in the outfield. This has to be about Ichiro, right? It's about Ichiro, not because he's Asian, but just because it happens to be Ichiro. Where my my spouse is sitting there, like, expounding upon Ichiro's butt for, like, a half an inning. At least, if not a whole inning. Like, <laughs> the Mariners were up to bat, and they were still going on about it. And I was like, this is a lot of butt thought. And, like, you know, it's just, I, I, I don't know, it reminded me of... Like doing, it's just doing like your uh, your doctoral thesis on butts or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't like strictly like sexual in any way. It was just like, hmm. So here are the qualities of a butt. <laughs> here are the possible qualities of a butt. What you may like, what you may not like. What the person who likes butts might be into. The person who isn't as into butts might be into. And it was like, wow, this is a lot of butt. <laughs> <laughs> trying to watch the ball game quit distracting me with men's butts actually this makes sense <laughs> oh this is, like this is unrelated to, to butts yeah kind of I, I, you just made me think of it because of you know that Hudson was remarking upon another man's body right mm-hmm. so there was one birthday I think gosh it must have been like 10 or 11 years ago at this point but <laughs> one birthday and Sarah had been drinking and uh, I don't know why, but John Hamm came up and she was just like, oh my God, I love John Hamm. And I was like, okay, you know, he's handsome, right? I didn't think anything of it. And then, God, he's just, I mean, he's, I mean, it went on for like five minutes and I was just like, okay, I'm starting <laughs> to feel a certain way at this point. Like, could we stop talking about John Hamm for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It went on for like a pretty good amount of time before I was like, I'm not normally a jealous guy, but I got to be honest, I don't want to meet John Hamm anymore. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I can't okay, think so, of a movie. I can't think of a movie he's in. I was going to be like, so today's film, the movie he's in, but I can't think Top of it. Right Maverick. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> or Bridesmaids. Or, uh, what's the one with Gal Gadot? Oh, uh, the one where they're married and it also has. Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher. Then, yeah, yeah, okay. So you know it better than I do. So <laughs> I don't know the name of it though. I know all the actors apparently. Uh, the, oh, the, the, keeping the, up with the Jones. Keep wow, up you know Joneses. you must know you must know a lot about John Hamm. Well, you know him and Is I are your favorite actor. Now. I think he might be. <laughs> I actually really enjoy John Hamm. So it's a, he's like kind of you a really and funny Sarah guy. both. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, maybe he could keep her happy for me. <laughs> you're you're going to be sorry when he gets when he comes to pick up the kids later today. You're going to be yeah. like, "What?" 
I'll be like, this Dad? is suddenly very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, we have uh, yeah. we have we have Jet Li's butt, and, yep. then... and then he's going to get authority over a thousand households and a bunch of gold mm-hmm. for killing uh, Sky. Mm-hmm. And then it like cuts to the he's telling the story about Sky, and mm-hmm. they're like he's playing chess. The subtitles, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not chess. <laughs> Well, actually, I meant to look up and completely forgot. Is that because there is a version of a chess like a game that they play in China, which you know is labeled as Chinese chess, but I don't know if that's really quite accurate. And of course, there's Go, which is not called Go in China um, because Go is the Japanese name. And I couldn't figure out which one quite they were supposed to be playing. It looked like an Othello. Oh, so it was probably kind of more Go like then, since you have the black and the white stones. Right. Um. And then I, I, I've never, ever been able to figure out if this game is water-based or if it's just that rainy. I think it's just really rainy, because I thought that, too. I'm like, is it meant to be, like, in the water like that? But I don't think it is. I yeah. think it's just... And it's just what... It, it, like, sets the tone for the... So many choices in this movie are so stylistic. Oh, yeah. That yeah. It's like... It, like when if you asked, how come it's so rainy that there's water everywhere, and it's like there's almost like these stones are being set in pools of water, and like the answer is because because they decided to make it that stylistic. That's why. I bet he would have like a real reason for it, though. You know, yeah, probably. He'd be like I want him to represent the yeah, well, know. probably, but at the same time, it doesn't. I can I, I I I know people in my life who may have if they watched this they'd be like this is dumb how come it's not just normal and it's like all right well then I, then I don't think that this movie is quite for you because it's just chock full hardly anything is just literal well right right well it's it's meant to be like metaphorical right I mean that's mm-hmm. old plus you're hearing the stories from you're not seeing what actually happened you're hearing it through stories right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but I I did like. And they do this a lot in in these martial arts movies. So sometimes I don't know how you feel about this. Sometimes I just want to see the martial arts. I don't, I don't really care about seeing like them being rigged up and flying around and stuff. You know? Yeah. I, I feel like it kind of takes away from it a little bit. I'm just like you know, just the fights are cool. We don't you don't need all this extra stuff. But I get it. He's being stylistic. It's not about the fighting. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, the the mythology. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting because that was really popular at the time, starting with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Exactly. They called it they called it Wire Foo. I don't know if they still call it. It always struck me as a dumb name because it doesn't rhyme with anything. <laughs> if only it rhymed. But it's interesting. Um, all of the fighting in this movie is being told through a story, like you said. Right. Nothing is happening as we watch it. So it would be interesting. I was going to say it would be interesting to look through does any of the fighting that occurs more like that we can actually see it happening? Is that like a bit more realistic and it's the ones that are more in his imagination? Oh, but they're all basically in memory. Right, exactly. Except, Except for, for the, the very final last one. one. Yeah. But that one is also has, you know, flight. <laughs> so I, I will say that in this first one with Long Sky where he's fighting at the chess place we do see him describing fighting like and then we fought and then he fought the guards a bit and then we fought a bit and then within that we see the fight going on in their minds i know like a a double layer and i think the one in their minds is more like 
standing on walls and like flying around and stuff. I think the fight that he's just describing as being real is actually a bit more realistic. So a little bit. Yeah. I, but, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a little bit more realistic, but still, I think it's also when the fight that they have outside of the mind, it goes yeah. like two seconds. That's true. So, well, well, I was, I was thinking about how he fights the uh, uh, one, two, three, and then it should be about five, six, seven guards who he, you know, kicks their asses first. Oh, yeah. That fight takes a little longer, and it's much, I don't want to say much more realistic, but there's less, like, gravity-defying and right. stuff in that one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the martial arts is just, it's, it's they're, they're cool. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's fun to see choreographed martial arts, really. Um, I did really enjoy <laughs> Stop the Fight. Mm-hmm. Some theme music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I mean, the, <laughs> In some ways, he, he, this movie kicks off in such a great way. This is possibly my favorite scene in the movie where they fight in the chess the chess house. Yeah. And, like, it just sets the tone, like, just like, wow, I'm watching this kind of movie where it doesn't, it doesn't ever, it doesn't ever surprise you, like, later when they're doing some more conceptual things because this one is so, like, okay, this movie is like this. You can't be fooled into <laughs> well, thinking that this is more realistic. Yeah, I, I actually wrote, oh, okay, so we've entered the realm of the magical flying men. Now mm-hmm, I know what to mm-hmm. expect with the fight scenes. And, like, the fact... I, I, I can't describe how much I love the fact that they fight in their minds. It's just so... It's so stupid in a way, but so all, also the coolest thing I've ever seen. And just something yeah, I love so Yeah, can you imagine so if they dubbed it? Yeah. It would have been terrible. Oh, that would have looked really ridiculous. Yeah. But the fact that they just close their eyes and are agreeing, I guess... Like, are they actually on a different plane of reality, or are they just agreeing this is what I would do and this is what you would do? And are they yes? Are they telekinetic, telepathic? I don't know. Well, I I kind of thought the ending of it was a little anticlimactic, and I it also was. thought the dagger on the end of a flagpole was kind of silly. <laughs> yeah, you know, like when he cuts it off, it's like, oh, that's clearly a flagpole. Yeah, <laughs> like okay, um, and then. Uh, so then he, he goes on, he's moved closer to the king, right? And uh, uh-huh. now he's going to tell the story of how he got, uh, what's the, the flying snow and uh, flying broken snow and sword? Broken sword, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm like watching it. And first of all, it was kind of hard to take notes with this because, you know, you have to pay closer, closer attention because of the mm-hmm. subtitles. But I wrote. Dang! Just threw that tea in your face. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I, I let's see. That is the first version, right? Right of the um of That's how the red version. Them. The red version. Yeah, they're all color coded, yep. which is just I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know, but the, it's. I was going to say something, and now I forgot. Well, oh, this is, I, no, go on. I was just going to praise Maggie Chung's performance, but um, we'll get there later, I guess. Which which one is she? She is uh, Flying Snow. Because you know, of the way, the way she changes from that version where she's supposed to be jealous and angry, and then she becomes much, you know, so, so selfless in the next one, and then maybe even changes a third time because she becomes idealistic more than selfless. Well, sort of all three of them. Have to yeah. change. For some reason, oh, it was struck me. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked which, 
I, I, I bring that up in my rank, but um, so I, you know, I get that this is like artistic and maybe I'm being, you know, kind of a jerk about Chinese culture when I say this, but I, I don't get the point of writing in the sand. Uh, uh, again, in my head, it was just more uh, cool looking than anything else. But I, my assumption is that they didn't want to, they don't want to waste ink and paper. Um, oh, I could see like, that. Sure. Okay. So this is more getting it perfect until you actually, because you can see it's like with the tea even, the tea scene is like him asking to borrow the ink. Right. So my assumption is that ink is not super cheap. And I don't know, by the way, why they needed red ink for that scroll being that size, because he says that size scroll requires red ink. I don't know why that would be different. You need red ink for a scroll that size. I mean, that's just... It's, that's common it's, knowledge. So yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I'm not up on asking my, that question. Being illiterate, I don't know anything about reading or writing. So <laughs> not something I know, especially not about characters in a language I don't speak. But uh, I wonder how. Do you know? I suppose you wouldn't necessarily know how accurate it is to there having been up to or above twenty characters for sword. You know, I was curious about that, and I, I didn't look it up. But I didn't. it is an interesting. Uh, question and then we get the we get the uh the moment from the emperor of part of maybe why uniting the country would be a good thing at the end of the day because he's going to unite the people in a way that is going to prevent confusion maybe that was our first like you know look into why the emperor is actually doing something outside of outside of just wanting power and everything like that and you can kind of see nameless's face at that moment and i kind of read it as like no that's not a bad idea if well, actually, so I had a different viewpoint on that because mm -hmm. it does start out that way. But then Nameless is like, wait, you're not going to stop at the six, six kingdoms? And he's like, no, mm -hmm. I'm going to create like the whole land is going to be the one big empire, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like Nameless is like, I feel like what they're showing is that Nameless likes the emperor in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Believing that he that he does. But then mm -hmm. he is having second thoughts in that moment. Yeah. That's what it looks like they're trying to portray. Because to me, it's like, really, you're not going to stop when you unite China? You're just going to keep going? Yeah. So that was how I took that part. Um, no, it's good, though, that we kind of took it slightly different ways because you're supposed to be a bit confused at this point about what right. is quite going on in Nameless's head. Actually, throughout until the very end, you're pretty confused about what's going on in Nameless's head. Right. Uh, the set pieces with the military, the army, are like incredible. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. No, for real. Um, when you mentioned them being actual soldiers and there being quite that many of them, like it's it's kind of incredible. Again, I assumed that it was somehow just trickery, you know, just like a couple of layers of guys, and the rest is all like just they mirrored it or something, but. And I, okay, so then the army attacks the calligraphy school because you know mm -hmm. it's a valuable target. It's um, valuable to a calligraphy yeah. school that sits by itself in the middle of a desert, nothing else anywhere near. Yeah, so, exactly. Obviously, um, someplace you need to take immediately. Yeah, and I know that like it's supposed to show their bravery, right? That they mm -hmm. all stay, but I'm like, that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, leave. Are you kidding me? Thousands no, no, no. and thousands of arrows. But you're just going to be like, I must write in the sand. 
Well, first of all, Calligraphy Master Guy in that version, he survives the entire thing. I love that people have just slumped over dead, and everybody else is still like, okay, I guess we're still practicing our calligraphy. And, like, did they set exactly what it is? It's funny, because no one, there's no teacher going around to, like, see how you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Move on to the next character. They just sort of know how to, it's like doing martial arts kata, you know? You right. sort of do it until you're until you have an internal perfection. I mean, only I get, first place first place trophy in my life. Well, uh, your calligraphy? No, my kata. You did a kata? Yep. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I had no idea that you were a martial arts master. Well, I got a first place trophy in my kata when I was I want to say nine. Mm-hmm. In Kangdaquan. Wow. Which is what like is a that? taekwondo style. That's a Korean martial art. Uh huh. Yep. That's I go first place trophy. What was I gonna say? Uh, the, you know, yeah, no, it's like uh, the 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 uh, the. You go ahead. I'm gonna take a minute. Well, I just I couldn't help thinking like it's ridiculous that they stay, and then all of a sudden, you know, flying snow is apparently uh, from X Men. Yeah. Like I'm like, is this the first Marvel movie? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, uh, all of the the main characters are all very superhero esque in a lot of ways. It's yes. be superhero as much as hero. Exactly. Uh, and I was just thinking, like, there are so many arrows. I mean, can you? I, I'm thinking about like the logistics of getting that many arrows in to mm-hmm. the set and then yeah. getting it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the army itself. Where'd they get all this wood for these arrows? And, like, imagine just... Because ca- ha- you saw that they have guys just to carry the arrows. <laughs> like, that's their entire function in the military, is carrying the arrows. And you think it might have been a bit overkill? Like... Yes? <laughs> just for a calligraphy school that apparently has two... No, three, I guess. Three martial people at all. Because everybody else is just calligraphers. Yeah, but, I mean... They took on 3,000 by themselves. Given the fact that they did repel arrows entirely just by going outside and being spinny. Right, <laughs> right exactly. Then maybe it was a good idea to bring that many arrows. But, um, no, yeah, it's a, it's a, the stylistic choices, again, with, like, you just sort of have to, if you're not willing to accept the fact that they are all going to sit there and do calligraphy in order to, like, commune with the nature of their art, right? Yeah. Then, oh, well, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. You kind of have to check out beautiful. a movie earlier than that if you're not willing to go along with it's it. It's very pretty and artistic and everything, but it did feel kind of like that. I don't know that I think people would do that. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, Nameless is like, you know, they've discovered he's not he's not there to to get a sword. You know, <laughs> you're not here for the calligraphy. Yeah. Do you, uh, do, you, do you suppose people really went around like, I just want to scroll with calligraphy on that you did. And like, well, people do it. that with their freaking body in America. I guess you're right. That is fascinating. <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing. I got it. It's a Chinese word for sword. How do you know? <laughs> That's what the tattoo guy said. Is he Chinese? No, no. He wouldn't lie, though. Yeah. He's a white bald guy. Very tasty. <laughs> but so he's got the calligraphy for sword, the 20th variation, I guess. This one continues. Right. right? And then he, that's when he's like, here's Fly's sword. And yeah. He, and then he like 
tries to get between them. If you know mm-hmm. the story, and you know, I it's he's cold in that story. Mm-hmm. Like, like, damn, dude, that's cold. Well, for real. And then broken sword, you know, like clearly he's tapping that assistant. But I guess he had to tap it, and he was waiting for the right moment. He's waiting for just the right amount of jealousy to provoke. Yeah, so that he could be killed. So, yeah, that was good. He did think, though, like, after he sleeps with her, he's like, get out of here, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a weird cut. It's like, we're looking at them, they're both in bed, and then the next scene, she's out of bed crying. Yeah, she's out of bed looking back at him, and he's still in the exact same position. Right. But it's not like we didn't see her get up at all. She's just suddenly up. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, I guess... I guess that happened. I guess she said, okay, I'll leave. Uh, <laughs> one might one might think that that was an interesting comment on how memory works and that, like, in your memory, transitionary things like that don't always happen. You sort of just remember the next thing as having... We just sort of skipped the next important thing in our own minds, I guess. Yeah, I guess the question, too, would be, like, how does uh, Nameless... How does he know? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't out there creeping on them the same way that Flying Snow was. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say hell hath no fury. It's fun how these people can, like, you know, repel tens of thousands of arrows and do all these amazing feats, but not notice when someone's on the other side of a of a paper screen with a sword. And every time they get stabbed the once, they're basically done. Yeah. Well, until the end. Then you yeah. get stabbed like a hundred times and you're fine. Yeah. Um, I guess it just but, depends. Well, he's got precision. He won't hit any mm-hmm. of your organs. Good point, good point. Does she have precision in this this memory? I don't know. D- didn't seem like it. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that they're called assassins. They're, they mm-hmm. don't seem to be very assassin you know? Yeah, I think I think they're like specialists. They really just assassinate the one guy. And aside from that, they do other things. They're not like professionals. They don't travel the world assassinating ancient leaders like Cyrus well, the Great not not worried about anything about them coming to get him or anything? I don't know. I typically think of assassins as like being a little sneaky, not mm-hmm. like <laughs> not just mowing down 3,000 soldiers. And... Yeah. That's actually a good point. They're really more soldiers than assassins. But yeah. I guess they want to assassinate someone, so they are assassins. But this is the moment when the emperor realizes, no, I'm not buying this story, right? This is not. Well, he does after, yeah, after this one's over. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was funny that uh, the fight that Flying Snow has with the assistant girl, the, the his servant there, mm-hmm. she, like, you know, she's flying down at her, and then, like, Flying Snow blows, you know. Yeah. And she goes flying into a tree. And then we get, like, a weird close-up of her and, like, a real big focus on this... <laughs> crazy face she's making. Which is like, yeah, her, her, her face her face is quite intense at that moment. I'll agree with that. <laughs> I also thought, you know, the Bloods would have really liked Zhao province in this story. For, for they, real, because... They'd be right at home. The entire thing is just red. Blood red, in fact. Except, except for the yellow, which contrasts nicely. How many freaking leaves... I, so I actually read about this scene with the leaves, and I didn't mm-hmm. put it in the Poet Notables. But apparently he was... Like, no, we need more leaves. We need more leaves. We need more leaves. It's like thousands and thousands of leaves. Bring me more just, leaves. He just kept saying, no, we need more. So then, you know, the the king's like, nope, I don't believe this. And uh, telling he's telling 
what he thinks is the real events of the story. And in his world, Broken Sword and Flying Snow are crypts now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just quick, quick with the red. I'm, I, I'm reading a uh, New York Times article about the color coding in Hero. Um, nothing particularly interesting as far as symbology goes. I wonder if the color, because the these colors mean sort of different things from in Western, in the Western world to the to the Eastern world, because like just red has different connotations to us that it may might to someone who's Chinese. Yeah. Um. But this just the only, just the one slight technical thing that's interesting here is um, that they switched the film stock they were using for this entire red sequence um, from Fuji to Kodak because the Kodak red is much more saturated huh. um, on that film. So they just they used a different film briefly in order to get the the, the different shade of red that they wanted. Just that's an interesting great. thing. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and that's also interesting that they used to. At least, at least as late as two thousand two ish or whatever, still filmed on film and not digital. <laughs> yes, no. Now suddenly we're in blue because this is the emperor's version of. Here's what I think really happened, and everyone is in blue suddenly. Slash, slash a little bit turquoise, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and then they have the fight where they're walking. They have the Jesus fight during this, and because uh, they're walking on water, get it? Yeah. Uh, it's a, good a lot of diving, but then suddenly being right back up into the air. That one. It's a good joke. <laughs> Is it though? I'm not sure why they keep having the swords look like rubber. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it just makes it sort of less menacing. It looks more like a prop when it's just like floppy, floppy sword. You know? Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a another another comment on how memory and storytelling works. You know, things are a bit more fluid in this scene in general, aren't they? I don't think there's much fluid in this scene. Cause it's I, think, I, I think there is. Well, you're right, actually. It's very still. <laughs> Purposefully so, if you're if you're Jean Yimo. Yeah. Clear, yeah, he was... They had to do this two hours at a time for three weeks. It's not a pain in the ass at all. I can only imagine the, the crew being like, great, we can't even just have... We have to get up at... When you say 5 a.m. in order to yeah. be ready at 10? Well, yeah. then again, I know I know filmmakers are used to getting up early, but still, that's not annoying at all. Yeah, seriously. All right, so then you know now they're in green. Well, uh, let's let's go back to blue quickly because I wanted to mention this is the second movie in three weeks where a bookshelf falls in a circular pattern, like is destroyed, basically falling down all in a big circle. Because is that a bookshelf? Yeah, he calls it a bookshelf in the... I I don't see any scrolls or anything on it, but that's what he calls it. How far am I from the bookshelves? Oh, uh, yeah. That's right, you're right. So I was like, well, this is interesting. Circular bookshelves. Like, first of all, who keeps bookshelves in circles? (laughs) And second of all, why is this a repeating theme? No one knows. Also, like, they really, like, are very aware of how many pieces they are from things. Yeah, I know. I never know how many paces. What? How many? What kind of? Are we talking yeah, about a large guy? How far a hundred paces is? Yeah. Well, yeah. I wonder if the emperor has like specific guys just to just to measure out paces. He's a hundred, I think. And I love how it's got to be exactly within ten, ten, ten paces for this to work. Anyway, that's not. I I would say that the people that he has doing that it would definitely be from Indiana. You'd think so. Because they'd be pacers. <laughs> Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and cut that. I'm in charge of this now. <laughs> uh, pacers. Okay. Uh, so we got a paranoid king. Uh, and apparently paranoid in the right way because... Uh, Lark trying know, to assassinate him pretty bad. Nameless is like, yeah, you figured it out. How'd you know? And then... Mm-hmm. And then we see his second story, which is everybody's in white. And then there's a story within the story where everybody's green. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of layers of things yeah. so far. It was we like Inception. Keep... Exactly. We keep going back into the... It actually, it's like kind of a lot of like, like Inception. It's just not... It's stories and, and uh, memory right. more, than it's, more than it's dreams. But we keep going back to... Would you say there's a color scheme in the, in the present day, you know, him and the emperor? Because it's sort of black, but I think that's more. No, it's basically it's like gray and black. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And everything else is very colorful, and I wonder if it's because, you know, in reality, things are essentially shades of gray, right? Mm-hmm. But when we're so, telling the story, everything's more colorful. That is interesting, actually. Um, I sh- it would be hard to really talk too much about the color without having more insight into what culturally those colors mean i think we should speculate wildly oh absolutely we know nothing but here's what i think <laughs> being completely ignorant my opinion um because the red is obviously passionate right because yeah. they're all jealous and upset and it's passion and love the blue i don't know to this day <laughs> to this day like i saw well and white is pure and innocent right yeah and white is the one where sh- where flying snow is most idealistic that's the one where she wants to kill the emperor no matter what. And this is right. also the one where Broken Sword wants to sit, wants to not kill the emperor because there's the twist that Broken Sword has decided not. The emperor can't die. Yeah. And that's within this one. It is. And so when we go to the green part, right, then that's when they, we show Broken Sword's, the Broken Sword and Flying Snow story of, you know, him going against the emperor. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, that we never, like, see, we never have, like, a moment where we, we see the moment of clarity for, for Broken Sword. Yeah, it happens sort of purposefully, extremely gradually. Well, right, but it also, there's no moment where you're like, because it seemed like he, he didn't really want to kill the Emperor even before they left to go do it. And then when he was there, he decided against it. But, you know, I guess you don't ever really see, like, okay, so, what? you know, what changed your mind? And I get that they're, like, building that so that Nameless can be the person who who gives that, right, that information. But well, I do think it was he, interesting that he, like, decides against it, but you're still just like, oh, okay, but why? And yeah, I thought it was – oh, go ahead. I was going to say this, it's a little, the scene that we get, it kind of is a quick flash forward over the course of a couple of years – where he gets a goatee and gets older. Um, he's contemplating calligraphy, and that's sort of within those inter- that intervening time where he's thinking about calligraphy is where he decides that he's not going to kill the king, essentially. And then obviously he makes the decision during the, where they're storming the palace or whatever. But it's like a slow, dawning realization, just like the emperor has at the end where he's contemplating the character for sword and has a realization and it's that was a really of, cool scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what's like uh green here i am on this new york times uh, uh article about the color scheme and 
it's a little it's a little disappointing because according to the cinematographer who is named something Doyle. Okay. I can't find his I can't find his first name. Um Sir Christopher Arthur Doyle. Conan? Sir oh. Arthur Conan Doyle, the cinematographer for the, for the modern movie hero. Um <laughs> Christopher Doyle. And it's his reason the reasoning that he's giving for these color schemes is not very interesting because it's just sort of like it's what we wanted. But here for green, green is the color of knowledge, he says. Um Oh, well, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, inspired by the Italian cinematographer Vittorio Storaro, who I don't know. Um, I've done many films, says Doyle, where green is the color of memory. Um, so here is memory and knowledge. We used green for the flashbacks, but really because we ran out of colors. <laughs> we did all the other stuff. We done red, blue, and white, and there was really only green left because you're not going to do anything in orange or pink. And I don't know why you wouldn't do anything in orange or pink if that's what you wanted, aside from the fact that the rain has a little bit of pink in it. Yeah, I don't know that I'd buy him that, like, oh, we just ran out. Was he on the film? Was he a cinematographer on the film? Yeah, he was the cinematographer for Hero. See, that, that, what that says to me is that the cinematographer's like, I'm going to film this stuff, and the director's like, I have a vision, and the cinematographer's like, I don't give a shit, just what color do you want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really interested in your like deep thoughts about it. We just need to know which which film stock to use. You know, right? Exactly. So that's actually fun. But uh, where are we? Uh, well, I was going to say the 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 fabric, right? They're cutting down the fabric and everything, and he's yeah. like behind it all. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of that Bruce Lee movie with the mirrors. Um, which one is that? Is that um, Enter the Dragon yeah, or is that Enter the Dragon? Movie? Yeah, but it's just with fabric instead of mirrors. You know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's probably a lot of references to cinema history as well as Chinese history and other things in this movie. It's just like it, it all it's also uh, so deep. And so uh, and I don't even mean deep, like meaningful. I mean, deep, like a lot of layers of meaning. Yeah. Whether or not you even think it's good, deep, that it would be hard to go through. And really like you could you could spend a lot of time thinking about all of the different little re- visual references, if nothing else. Right. Well, so then we get back to Purity Broken Sword in white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he does his epic calligraphy in the sand. Mm-hmm. And I, I know this is silly, but, like, the whole time I was thinking, like, what if this was an American movie and they were doing this in English? Yeah. Like, it would just, if it were an American that, like, epically wrote two words in the sand <laughs> with a sword, it would just be completely absurd. It worked yeah. here, but, like, just take a slightly different culture, not that America and China is slightly different, but you get what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. suddenly it's just like, that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> cool handwriting, dude. But yeah, like you, you did that you in could cursive, just I noticed. Say it. Yeah. But, but, um, that's, I mean, I almost feel inadequate, ill equipped to, um, talk about any of this because I know so little about like the, the place of calligraphy and writing and art in Chinese culture, because obviously they have a very different relationship to it than, than we do. If for no other reason than because our writing systems are so different. Yeah. Which I wouldn't know, which I wouldn't know being illiterate. I'm told. <laughs> well, I think maybe we should just stop, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay to say, I don't know, <laughs> but it definitely does. Uh, it, it illustrates how, uh, how different it is, I suppose, because just how meaningful these characters are. And right. by the characters, I mean the written character. No, yeah. And it, right, yeah. 
That's in a way that our written word is not like in a in a literal sense. The written word is important and everything, but it's more for the meaning than like well, the actual so, artistic expression. Right, exactly. So like you know, in English it's uh the artistic expression is the metaphor used with your words, like the word mm -hmm. play. Mm -hmm. And not that, that the Chinese don't have that, but there's oh, yeah. another layer because mm -hmm. their uh words are art forms. Mm -hmm. So uh, but if another sort of funny thing, uh I don't know why, but all of the like soldiers and people running up the steps. I, I don't know what it was about it. It reminded me of a Monty Python movie. I can't remember which one, Meaning of Life or Life of Brian, but no, I think two? I think you probably mean Life of Brian when all the soldiers are coming into the uh, apartment to look for to look for the uh, rebels, and because they they pile in, it's like, all right, men, come on in, and it's like a small room, and it's like just. <laughs> Boom, boom, and they're just marching in like one after another so long, and then they come out. We don't actually see them go into the apartment. They end in the apartment, and then they all come out. Found a spoon, sir. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I just thought of Monty Python. It is kind which of which is kind of a silly thing to think of when you're watching this movie. Well, you know, it's a lot of people. <laughs> so, which what's funny to me is like I had that thought. I wrote it down, and then the next thing I wrote is this is a really beautifully done movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. How much, I had thought. how much uh how much worse could a lot of this movie be and still be and still be at least just fun enough to look at you know yeah that's true i suppose we should wait for the rank for that part but uh i also thought that throughout the movie they like weirdly focus in on, on grunts every once in a while like suddenly yeah. it'll just be like Ugh. like whoa <laughs> why did we all right <laughs> Why are we so interested in this guy's yeah. this guy's weird, you know, emo emotive sounds? And then you know, flying snow ends up dueling uh, broken sword for the second time, or the th for fourth, or however many times. Just mm -hmm. Can't stop killing this guy. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, she's all sad. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know, maybe like have an argument. <laughs> kind of immediately going to dueling and stabbing, yeah. yeah. And then it's like a real fucked up murder suicide. It's like, it's kind of like they are promoting it, you know, like look at this wonderful thing, you know, she wants to live with him for eternity, and it's like, no, that's called murder suicide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Yeah, same thing happens at the end of spoiler alert at the end of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I also just watched recently, where she. It ends with 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 Jang Ji's character jumping off a cliff to join the other guy who jumped off a cliff, and it's like, wow, this is a lot of suicides. Now that you mention it, yeah. Except this one was a murder. Yeah, that, that's just, true. It's like even Dwarf. worse. She like kills him, and then she's like, eh. so I'll use the sword that I stabbed him with, and continue mm -hmm. to stab it through his body into mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's romantic. Nope, it is. No, that's criminal. That doesn't strike you as romantic. Not particularly. Oh, <laughs> I guess you're right. I love how uh, you, I love the way you say she can't stop killing him. Just constant, <laughs> constant murder of her lover, and and we're told that he is actually the better swordsman than her. But he he she kills him an awful lot more than the reverse, which I guess is good. Right, which is zero. He kills her yeah. zero. <laughs> she kills him like, well, she stabs him, 
Like if she stabs three him times, three times, three yeah. times, probably kills him twice. Yeah. Uh, and then I just thought it was sort of funny that like, <laughs> like you got this giant army. This mm. guy just threatened to kill the emperor, and they're like, "Come on, please, can we execute him?" <laughs> this seems odd to me. Like when they, you don't think they would have just killed him? Like they're just mm. following him around in, in like a circle, and they're like, "Please, please, let's kill him." Well, and then and then they kill him in like perhaps the most overkill way you can kill a person. Yeah, and if I was the emperor, I'd be like, guys, like we got to clean all this up. You <laughs> put like a shit ton of holes in my palace. Stop wasting arrows. How many of these things do you think we have anyway? Well, anyway, so that's how the movie ends. Is, uh, mm-hmm. They kill nameless with uh, this is about a hundred thousand arrows. I think they got him. <laughs> Well, given given everything, given his purported skill at least in in battle, uh, I can actually I don't blame them totally for just wanting to really make sure they got him. Because, but well, he could have just, just stopped the arrows if he wanted to. He let him die. I mean, he's sacrificing himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They couldn't have killed him with those arrows. Those arrows like fucking nothing to nameless for him, according to his own. He would have just yeah. he would have just done spinny stuff. Nothing would have happened. <laughs> There, the the Lego toy line. Um, nin, uh, what is it called? There's a there's a Ninjago. You mean Ninja? Yeah, that one. They uh they call the martial art they do spinjitsu because <laughs> because, because they give you like a little thing and you spin your guy on it and he spins around. So that's I think I think that's what here a nameless is is proficient in in this movie is spinjitsu. Oh. We've entered that part of the podcast where we get to the rank. You know it. You love it. Well, I hope you love it because if you're getting to this point of the podcast and you're seven episodes in and you don't love it, I kind of got to question what you're doing with your life. Really? <laughs> There's a lot of just sitting here listening to this for, for not loving it. You're just like, I hate this. God, you're just like hate listening to our podcast. Maybe that's it. They're like, I just want to fucking kill these two. That Maybe. makes me not want to give out any information about myself, that's for sure. People are going to show up and murder-suicide you with their sword. Yeah. Slash, slash attack you. They're going to murder-suicide you with the sword, and they're going to shoot me with 10,000 arrows. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're both like, okay, sorry that we we make you so angry. Yeah, we were just trying our best. <laughs> so the rank. We're on the rank. This is mm. where we, you know, ultimately decide the fate of this movie. Forevermore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're ranking uh, ten categories. We've got story, acting, originality, action sequences, chase and fight sequences, film coherence, hero appeal, villain appeal slash hatred, supporting characters appeal in the final showdown. And we rate them on a scale of one to five, five being the best, one being the worst. And we'll start with story. And I'll let Zach start first. Um, here's another one where, uh, this happened a lot last week with, uh, whatever we were doing last week. Predator? Where, or the mummy? Predator, yes, Predator. <laughs> um, where I sort of went back and forth a lot, but I, uh, decided to go with four and a half for story. Um, and by back and forth, I mean, uh, higher. I wanted to go, and then I just kept saying, you know, something about the story works really well, works great, great stuff. I don't know if it's the story within a story within a story format that confuses me or what, but something 
we'll probably get more into it during film coherence, but four and a half obviously is quite good, not quite perfect for me. Um, well, I, I I just feel like it could have somehow been a bit stronger if it had been a little less obtuse, perhaps on purpose. That's interesting because um, we disagree on this. Oh, really? Yeah, I gave it a five. Really? Yeah, I thought it was perfect. I thought, you know, I mean, I think the story is incredible. I loved it. The idea that we fight to end fighting is beautiful, and it makes me sad that we still haven't been able to live up to this ideal with mm-hmm. thousands of years of history telling us that we should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like it was, like, convoluted but sort of gloriously convoluted, you know? Yeah. And it brings you on a journey with it. So, yeah, I I thought it was perfect. No, I, ab- I absolutely get that. I Like I said, I kind of was like, I considered five a couple of times. I considered like being really like four nine or something like that. Yeah. Um, just decided to go with four or five. And also the messaging just is a little odd to me. And it might just be because of not being super fond of the current government of China and feeling like this is kind of a weirdly pro imperial kind of movie. That's interesting. Um, I didn't consider that, but that's a good point. And I don't mean that even necessarily in a super bad way. Just I feel like you get this in American movies, too, sometimes where um, it's like a propaganda. Yeah, it has a, some kind of small element of uh, no, this thing that may not actually be all that great is actually good. But I totally get five. I was thinking of going five myself, so I'm not not disagreeing with it. Just that's my reasoning for being the the, the horrible low grade of four and a half. Well. So then we move on to acting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Acting, I'll go first. Mm -hmm. Uh, I gave it a 3.75. Okay. Uh, I think it's harder when it's subtitles, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because you might not necessarily get the weight of the words and the emotion behind them. Yeah. But I I did feel there was some overacting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it was kind of throughout the whole film there was a fair amount of it. It's not like mm-hmm. it's terrible, but I just didn't think it was the greatest acting unit. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting point you raise. It's hard to really know exactly the weight of some of the words when we don't understand Mandarin at all. Right. But um, no, I get that. I uh, I went with four point seven. So um, wow. Yeah, higher than yours by a bit. Uh, I agree that there was actually probably some overacting, but I think a lot of that was purposeful since we're getting these different versions of the characters. Um, some of whom are like purposefully exaggeratedly jealous, for instance. And yeah. I really liked the way everyone managed to convey the different versions of themselves and the different ones. I mentioned Maggie Chung, especially being, uh, I just, it was like her body language immediately say from the, let's say the first time we see her in the red version, she's like lying luxuriously with her tea. Right. Yeah. And like, really like, arrogant i suppose um and then the first time we see her in the blue version she's huddled in a corner where broken sword is in the middle of the table she's sort of often to the side like almost trying to make herself smaller it was just a very that's an example of how i felt everyone did a really good job of of inhabiting the version of the character they were supposed to be and also just these are these are really great uh charismatic actors just want to mention we we might have be familiar with them from a, from a number of different things. Um, Tony Lung was recently in a uh, Shang Chi, the Marvel movie. Oh, okay. Um, he's a 
whatever Shang Chi's father is. I don't know his name. Oh, oh yeah, okay. That's him, uh, obviously a bit older. Uh, Zhang Ji is in all sorts of things. She was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I can't think of anybody else. But Oh, uh, Donnie Yen. He's in a lot of things, too. He was in the Star Wars Rogue One movie. And uh, Ip Man is probably his most famous one, where apparently he knows martial arts. Huh. Just wanted to shout out to all of the actors being quite good, and then, of course, Jet Li. Yeah, I, I, well, I feel sort of bad about the grade that I gave. Oh, uh, no. Please, yeah, I actually. This is I another like one. A good with, grade. No, the just like the last one. I see exactly what you're coming from. Just well, uh, so we're on to originality, and mm-hmm. that's uh, I'm going first on this one, right? Or no, you're going yeah. first. It should be yes. It should be me. So go for it. Originality, just like story. I was all sorts of confused about this. Um, Part of me wanted to go just flat out five for being so interesting and original, but I decided to go with four at the end of the day because it's obviously quite original. It's, um, I don't think it's a literal story from Chinese history. Not that I would know, but I don't think, I think it's like, you know, a lot of made up elements and it obviously takes a lot from, I mentioned Roshoman just like last week, I think, but, um, it obviously takes a lot of elements from Roshaman where we get the different versions of of how people's memories are fallible or people just flat out lie for different purposes. Um, so, and I think they knew they, they wrote this movie probably thinking this is like going to be like Roshaman where it's different versions of the reality and you're not sure which one is the most accurate. So I just decided to go, go with four for being a great take on it, but not like, the most like if you pitched this movie, they'd be like, "Oh, you mean like those movies where, where there are different versions of people's memories, right?" And you'd be like, "Yeah, it's just like that." Okay. Well, I, I it actually gave me a lot to think about what you were saying, so that's why I'm sort of hesitating. I was going to say either you went with one or five. I'm not sure which. I went with four point seven five. Uh, oh, okay. And the only reason I didn't go perfect was because I think it steals some things from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon purposefully. Oh, oh absolutely as well, yeah. Uh, but they wanted to bring the art of Chinese movie making worldwide, and they realized that hiding the art behind martial arts was a way to make this happen. But also, mm-hmm. I don't see this as a memory is fallible type of situation because the there's a false story and a true story Mm-hmm, and then there's mm-hmm. the way the king thinks it happened. Yeah. So it's not like I don't think they're presenting like like the king's isn't a memory, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. uh and Jet Li's first one, Nameless's first one isn't a memory either. Mhm. It's just No, you're right. It's purposefully They're just stories. It's a pur- yeah. yeah, exactly. They're purposefully told. So oh. I don't know that I really think of it as uh and also this this the other interesting thing that I was thinking about is that you bring up Roshamon a lot. I've never mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is what we were talking about before. Of Like, if you haven't seen a, a lot of movies, mm-hmm. not that I, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies, but this is where, you know, I could watch Roshamon now and be like, oh, this is really similar to uh, to Hero. To Hero, yeah. And I, I wouldn't know, you know, like, and then I would obviously figure out that it came out before that, but, but uh, I would think that Rochamon was the copy. Or not mm-hmm. copy, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, in the back of your head, you would always be feeling like you right. experienced Hero first. So it's, even it's if you like... recency bias. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. It's also fair. 
So, yeah, I, I'm going to keep it. I still think it's incredibly original. So mm-hmm. I, now I, you see, just like you said with the other one, I feel like I should have gone higher, but I'm leaving it. Well, so now we go to action sequences. Mm. Oh, I skipped it. Okay. I skipped the category in my notes, but action sequences. Okay, go ahead. Well, I did. I did a two and a half. Okay. Oh, really? I was well because this the action sequences. Uh, you know, it was. We sort of decided if there wasn't anything in a category that we'd just do two and a half. Give it two and a half. Yeah. Because there weren't really any action sequences. There's fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess you could say that shooting arrows is an action sequence, <laughs> but I don't really. You know, it doesn't seem like that to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's why I went two and a half. Um, yeah, I went three and a half for that for kind of the same reason, but obviously I gave it a lot more credit, I guess, for the arrow shooting, which is like, <laughs> is indeed the primary thing where really, if it's not, if it's not, uh, actual one-on-one martial arts, it's just shooting arrows, but I don't know. I still thought they were pretty good. Maybe I should have gone lower, but I'll stick with three and a half. All right. So now we go on to chase and fight scenes. That's, uh, sure. that's you first. Chase and fight scenes. Um, obviously, there's basically no chase scenes. Right. But fight scenes. Um, this was a tough one for me. I decided at the end of the get- day to go for four point eight. Okay. Um, you might do four. You might do five. You might do four, four and a half, whatever. Something about the artificiality of the fight scenes didn't totally scratch the itch that I had for it. I wanted them to be somehow more visceral like i feel like there was a lot of not actually making contact with each other so it was like kind of ethereal in a sense more like two people dancing separately rather than dancing together if that makes any sense no it makes perfect sense actually go ahead sorry no i was gonna say i i also i don't know who did the fight choreography for this one there were a couple of moments where i was like that felt that felt a little awkward, that little move, that little part, whatever like that. And when I say that, keep in mind that I did 4.8. Right. And that I'm judging it really harshly on its own standards. You know what I mean? So much of it was so excellent and so incredible that when I saw something that didn't quite hit for me, I kind of like docked it more than I might have. Well, I think what you're trying to do is give a reason why you didn't go five. Yeah, 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 (laughs) absolutely. Uh, so it's interesting because of the points you bring up were big in what, what I ranked it for this one. Mm-hmm. Cause I gave it a three and a half. Oh, because the martial arts are amazing, but and beautiful, but the, the rubber swords, the flying, the weird superhuman mm-hmm. stuff, it just took me out of it. Yeah. It's hard for me to like buy into that. So it's, if, if it was like, this is a superhero movie, then mm-hmm. okay. Them flying and doing stuff. I, I can accept, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it just, it takes me out of it. Cause I'm just like, okay, so they're flying around again. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not real. Uh, which maybe is not fair, but hey, I just, it is what it is. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it, for me, it just takes me, takes me out of it. If even in like a superhero movie where they're flying around the fighting, if it's a good superhero movie, still feels real. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't want to. I, I still, it's not like I, I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go into it a little bit as we continue here. Um, 
more in more in depth on how my thoughts are on it. But next is film coherence. And for this I gave a four and a half. Mm-hmm. And I gave it a four. I mean, it's it's very well done, right? But there mm-hmm. is one extraneous scene, and it lasts a while. And that is the fight between Broken Sword Servant and Flying Snow. There's no reason for it to happen. Yeah. There's, like, no motivation for it. It served no purpose. We already established it, that she was jealous without that. She wasn't wounded by it, so it didn't impede her. And I don't think it established anything for Nameless' story that added any new element. So that's yeah, why yeah, I bumped it down to four and a half. That's the only reason. No, you're absolutely right with that scene in particular, because we just had no reason to care about her at that point, you know? Great. She, uh, the, the, uh, her name is Moon, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I, you don't really learn that until the end, though. No, yeah, they, they really don't mention it much. I kind of don't like even know Moon, why you're no, you're no uh, match for him, so stop. Yeah, exactly. We know that, that Flying Snow is a lot better than Moon at that point. We know that, that she's jealous. It just, it, like, it, you're right, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be there. And why is why exactly is Nameless telling the Emperor that part, you know? Right, exactly. It, oh, and then, they, oh, maybe to establish the fact that Flying Snow was, like, worn out and distracted for the next fight. But the Emperor sees through that immediately anyway. Well, no, but I even, agree with that. But even then, it's like, so I, I knew that that was what they were getting at, that, that she's distracted after mm-hmm. having done that. You don't think that killing her, like, longtime husband or lover or whatever... Was enough? Was enough to be distracting? Yeah. I just... Anyway, no, yeah. No, you're no, you're right about that. Um, where are we film coherence? I I, yeah. I went with four point seven five for much the same reason. Um, I, I thought that, that it was organized in a way that was great and made a lot of sense. And every time there's a new revelation, you're like right there with it. But I do feel like it could have been edited a little bit more tightly. Right. In that, it's like you can only get so much of a lot of this stuff before it's like. This was fun, and now I'm it's dragging a tiny bit. And like, when a movie is this good, it's it's like somehow way more noticeable when something is dragging. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. And I was I was really debating on four point seven five. The only reason that I went further down was just because of the length of time that that scene occupies. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. I felt the same way about the scene that you didn't like with the rubber, rubbery feeling yeah. <laughs> where they're fight, fighting in their hearts. As much as I loved that they're fighting in their hearts, just like they fought in their minds earlier. Um, I don't know. That, that, that one is one where I always feel like, I feel like we can keep going. Like we can, we can get, how many times can you see them dive and then fall, go, go back up? Yeah. And I love, I love the fact that, that broken sword stops the fight practically and is willing to be killed at that moment. In order to get the you know the one that one water. drop, yeah, beautiful stuff could have shortened the scene overall, and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, yeah, same thinking as you. Well, so now we so, go on to hero appeal, which mm-hmm. is uh, you go first. So I went with with four. Um, this this one is a lot of us justifying quote unquote low grades, despite the fact that they're really really good grades. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But um, Nameless, I think, is supposed to not be quite as interesting as some of the other characters. He's literally Nameless. Um, right. I think I think Jet Li is playing the part very, like, I don't want to say wooden, but, like, very stoic and very... What's, what's another word for wooden that, that I want? Like, purposefully, you know, yeah. without, without too much emotion. But there are also some great moments where you can see an emotion creep onto his face or a realization onto his face or a thought. Right. Like you said, when... Like you said, when he, uh, um, 
you're not going to stop at the six king- kingdoms. You can see a very subtle little 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 facial expert, little tick right. on Jet Li's face. So we did a great job there. But in general, Nameless not the absolute most compelling protagonist of all time. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty similarly. I gave it a three and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. Jet Li's a badass, you know. There's no oh yeah, absolutely. It. Uh, but Nameless and Nameless is clearly clearly a great warrior slash martial artist, but there's not much hero appeal in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're not really rooting for any person. This is what it's what makes a a great film, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily a great action movie. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kept coming back to throughout these rankings. Is I was like, it's a great movie. People listening to this, go watch it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't watch it because you're expecting an action movie. Yeah, there are definitely action elements. You know, it's an action movie. There's not. I'm not saying it's not, but it's not your typical action movie. And I, I think, I think for yeah, these rankings, it's it's sort of hard to give it higher based on our categories. You're absolutely right. Um, if you're going into it with like your bros and you're like, oh, let's go watch a totally badass flick, dudes. It probably you're gonna be like this is very long and very deep and very very much more boring than I'd wanted. Yeah, so if and you go into it with an art film kind of feeling, then you're gonna feel differently. And and honestly, throughout the whole film, I, I would have given this a lower score for Hero Appeal, but I think uh, there's a he gains more appeal by not killing the emperor mm-hmm. and then sacrificing himself to yep. save people, basically. Absolutely, and so I, I, that I think it up. He, you know, he purposefully, I think, doesn't have as much hero appeal as a Western movie would because he sort of uh, typifies the, the, the Eastern ideal of being a selfless, you know, right. um, avatar of the people, in yeah. a sense. That's true. I can see that. So, yeah, I guess it's more, it's not the action movie as defined by our American thoughts, I guess. Yeah. While I was watching this movie again, I was thinking maybe this was not the best thing to choose, not because it's not awesome and not because it doesn't have great action in a sense. It's just, it's almost not fair to it or some of the other movies because they weren't going for the same thing. But Exactly. Yeah, that's that, you're exactly right. Because Cliffhanger is going for an action movie that's just entertaining. And this is mm-hmm. trying to make you think. It's similar mm-hmm. to, to Aliens in a sense, you know, because mm-hmm. Aliens was more artistic. But it's still... Aliens is still, like, at its heart, an action movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, so now we go to the villain appeal slash hatred. And for this, I gave it a two. Uh, yeah. I mean, the king is eventually revealed to be the villain, although he ends up not being the villain also. Uh, but I don't root for or against him, mm-hmm. you know? Uh it very much coincides with the ranking for hero appeal. It's uh, it's a beautiful, wonderful film, but not a particularly great action movie. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I am, I do find myself rooting for the hope of peace, but not necessarily rooting for or against anybody in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally fair. It's not really, there's no real villain in a traditional sense at all. Right. Um, I, I went with three for much the same reason. Um, I felt like, the one thing it did have going for it is every time you were supposed to root against somebody in any sense, you generally did, whether whether because you like another character better or you agree with the other character's motivations more. Um, yeah, I can see that. So it sort of shifts around depending on the different scene and everything like that. Right. Um, 
but yeah, you can't really say like, ooh, this really hateable villain. You know, you love to hate him because there is, you know, no such yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, so now we can move on to supporting characters appeal. I'll let you go mm-hmm. first on that. I went with a four. Um, and I that's another one I really vacillated on because they change a lot. The characterizations right. move around a bunch depending on which version you're in. And it's kind of hard to get to know them because you're not sure who they are at first. And it's really cool that the different reveals and the different, you know, versions of them are really cool, but it's, it's hard to get too emotionally attached when you're not even sure, you know, who, what they stand for, for a while, the eventual versions that you get of them, like broken sword, realizing about, you know, the whole, we can't, you know, we have to try to strive for peace instead of just killing people, et cetera, is great. But again, it's kind of like by that point, you're a little emotionally wrung out trying to get to there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, I gave it a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we're really all that far off on, on this, yeah. but I, I really enjoyed all the characters in the movie, which you know I know sounds strange because I ranked low appeal for mm-hmm. a hero and villain. But yeah, uh, they didn't appeal to me as heroes or villains, but I really enjoyed their characters. You know, so the, there was an appeal there. Like I enjoy, I wanted to see them on the screen. Exactly. Yeah. And I liked that they were depicted in essentially three different ways. You know, yeah. it, it really yeah. uh, shows like, you know, the, I guess, dichotomy of the human character, right? Mm-hmm. That we all have uh, in different aspects of our lives. We, we can have values that contradict, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I really, they appealed to me. Absolutely. So. Uh, they then that gives us to the final showdown, which uh, I'll go first, and I gave it a two. So that's oh, hero really? versus villain. Yeah. And the reason I did is because it's not a final showdown. Yeah. I mean, there is, but there's not. You know, there's no real fight. It's just, it's it's sort of like uh, waiting to see what he decides to do, and then he does nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Except for, I guess, if you want to say that the murder-suicide of Flying Snow and Broken Sword uh, is is the final showdown, which mm-hmm. I think is really just sad. Uh, yeah. But uh, I just can't give the final showdown too high of a rank out of here. It feels odd to give low ranks to such a unique and cool movie, but I just believe it holds up to the ranking categories. Or it doesn't. Sorry, I don't believe that it holds up to the ranking categories that we've established. And we established these categories to find the best action movies, not the best movies. So to our mm-hmm. listeners, if you haven't seen this movie, you should. It's yeah. great. However, I don't think it'll be the best action movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I couldn't agree more with a lot of that stuff, except that I disagree. Um, <laughs> and I mean that like 100% sincerely. Um, I, I 100% see what you're, what you're getting to there. I gave Final Showdown a five, though. <laughs> wow. Yeah, um here's my thinking. And I'm not going to change it just because I think the, I think the 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 I don't want to say tension, but I think I think us having such different views is good for good for good for good for drama. business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um the movie is kind of all final showdown for me and that so many fight scenes we get are for where they are in the story kind of a very important moment for what's happening there. There are, there are a few that absolutely aren't. But like even even the first one you get where you have Nameless versus Long Sky, it's like um, 
how did you kill him? What? How did you manage that? He is so excellent. How, how did you do it? Oh, here's how I did it. And it's already momentous. So yeah. all of them are kind of their own culmination of a lot of things, which may actually be really bad. You might watch it and be like, that doesn't work for me because it's so anticlimactic and that it's nothing but climax. But, um, yeah. and then the final thing knows all about that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> nothing Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I don't know if anybody remembers that Sting is a tantric sex master. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently, according to pop-up video, at least, he and his wife have like eight-hour fucking sessions, and it's like, that's too much, Sting. <laughs> Who has time maybe, for that? Yeah, maybe we could just climax. But, um, no, yeah, actually, actually, I felt that a little bit during this movie a couple of times. I was like, oh, it's not, not, not even that it's dragging. It's just, mm, next thing, maybe. But um, yeah, and just the uh, the final. I'm gonna count the final final showdown is him versus all those arrows. And <laughs> okay, him 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 sacrificing himself like that, making the conscious decision to do nothing. Um, there is a. Th- I, I read a book once called The Last and First Men by I think Olaf. What the fuck is his name? Um, I'm sorry, uh, I want to look the it snowman. Up. Olaf the snowman. Olaf the snowman is all one last name. Olaf Stapledon, the last and first men's story of story of near and far future. Um, at the beginning of that, it's a uh, sci-fi book about. It's like a uh, oh, it says here future history. It's like it's like someone writing three hundred years from now, talking about now and what you know happened in the interim. But um, at the beginning, he's talking about all the synthesis between um, Eastern and Western cultures. He's like, oh, one of the first things that happened in the 20th century is that the East and the West came together in a lot of ways and and combined a lot of the ways that they thought. So that is pretty relevant here. And one of the things he mentioned in this book that I uh, it was like the first time I'd seen the idea and thought, wow, that's interesting, is that in a lot of Eastern philosophies, there's no goal. Like there are in Western philosophies, just in Western life in general, we think of we think of we're very goal oriented. We think of action as being the way we get to the goal. Right. Um, whereas in some Eastern philosophies, the goal is actually like silence is non-movement and non-movement is a goal in and of itself. Um, sort of like a very Buddhist kind of feeling like not doing anything is actually what you want in general, because everything's going to return to non-movement at the end of the day anyway. And that's sort of how I how I how I see this final showdown for for Nameless. He sort of understands that that submission, in a sense, to to the stillness of eternity, is is what he's yearning for. But but I think you're 100 percent right. That's not really action movie final showdown. That's just realization. So maybe five is really really not fair. But that's how I'm going. That's how I went. Well, that's how you felt a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's that's okay. You know, uh, that you're giving okay. your ex, you're giving your explanation. There might be listeners that agree with me. There might be some that agree, there. <laughs> I like that I said listeners for me, but some for you uh, that agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, the adoring legions might agree with me. Some fucking weirdos might actually like you, but <laughs> right. I don't know anything about them. But oh, so, that's the end of uh, the ranking for uh, Hero. So after everything's tallied up, Hero is firmly in third place behind Aliens and Predator at 78.25 as a total. So it ranks above the mummy and below Predator. Uh, Bloodsport is still taking up the rear. I'm 
curious if anybody will ever take that mantle away. I'll find something. Don't worry. I'm sure that we could. It can't be the worst. <laughs> hey, if, if anyone actually does listen to this, maybe, you know, interact, email, whatever you want. Tell us yeah. why we're dumb. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear what people's reactions are to this. Like, you know, maybe that maybe the ranking should have been somewhere in the middle between our yeah. rankings. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let us know. Or, you know, heck, support us on Patreon and, and uh, you know, you can get top tier support and we'll interview you if you want. <laughs> and you can be like, here's why you guys are fucking stupid about Hero. Yeah, you can spend you your money somebody. just to tell us how bad we are at, at this. So that that's a job I will accept. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, that's that's it for for Hero. Um, thank you for listening. And if you want to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Check us out next week when we're ranking Iron Man, the 2008 movie that became the first movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is also going to start a little sub subtopic for us, which is what is the best MCU movie? Contentious topic, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, goodbye. And Sai Chien. like Adi Dose because we said it twice. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was quite that serious, but all right. <laughs>